natural, unguarded responses, reactions, they show a great deal about the condition of our hearts. It's one thing when you have a chance to prepare. It's another thing when something catches you by surprise, especially if you're stressed or in a moment of crisis. And whatever's on the inside, usually when you get squeezed, it ends up coming on the outside. And so there have been many times when my reactions, especially when somebody hurts me, show me that there are some things on the inside that ought not be there. You ever been hurt by somebody? And what was your initial reaction? To hurt them back, isn't it? To hurt them back. They embarrass you, so you embarrass them. There's two different topics we're going to look at tonight as we continue through the time in, our, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount in this series. The first is it's very tempting to pretend to be something that we aren't in order to get other people to like us or other people to celebrate us. What we're going to see is some people pretending to be very religious, very committed, but it's really only a show to approve, to get the approval of others. Unfortunately, when people use religion for their own ends, great harm can be done by those who are sincerely seeking after God. Secondly, when someone hurts you, we already alluded to this, it's natural to want to hurt them back, but Jesus Christ takes all of what we would think to be the natural things in this Sermon on the Mount and then takes it to an entirely deeper level, contrasting what it is that the Pharisees teach, which is usually the bare minimum and sort of separated from the truth of everything, to show us what God's real intention was about it. If someone humiliates us, we want to do it back to them, but do it bigger. If they gossip about us, well, we'll start some stories of our own on them. How are we to handle these two problems in a way that pleases the Lord? Well, in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse number 33, the Word of God says this, Again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Let's pray. Father, take your scriptures and use them to draw us to the Savior, to become more like Jesus. I pray that you'd give me clarity of thought and speech in this hour and strengthen my voice. May your spirit give us all that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord Jesus Christ is preaching this famous sermon. Crowds of people have poured out of the cities into the, the rural wilderness of Galilee on some mount somewhere, probably overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and they've gathered in large numbers to hear what Jesus has to say. This is early in his ministry, but he is becoming very, very popular, and his messages so far have been to contrast this dead religion that has infected most of the people of Israel versus what God wants them to be. What the Pharisees, the hypocritical teachers of that day, are putting out versus what the Lord really wants people to hear. 
And so it begins in verse number 33. Again, ye have heard that it hath been said of them of old time. In other words, you know, you know what it is that's going on. You know what it is that they've said about this topic, and you might even think that you understand what it is. But whoso, it says, excuse me, that thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shall perform unto the Lord thine oaths. Oaths have sort of fallen out of style, but we used to have one as kids. When we wanted someone to believe us, we would say things like, cross my heart and hope to die. How many of you remember saying something like that? What is that? Well, you say that this is true, and you say, that can't be true, and you're like, cross my heart and hope to die. That is based on an old-time practice where people would swear by some sort of God, little g, and they would say to that God, they would say, um, if this isn't true, strike me dead. Zeus, Apollo, whoever it might be, or bring some curse upon me, by the fates, so and so and such and such. And they would swear by this thing, I swear by blank that I, this is true or not true, or I swear by blank that I am going to do this thing. And the Pharisees were big into making these religious vows. It was something that they did all the time to show how serious they are. And their teaching was that if you make a vow, you ought to follow through with it. If you promise that something is true, it ought to be true. If you promise that you're going to do something or that you're not going to do something, you ought to follow through with whatever it is that you say that you are going or not going to do. Thou shalt not forswear thyself. In other words, if you make a solemn promise, you should keep it. But shall perform unto the Lord thine oaths. Now here's one of the weird things that the Pharisees were known for doing in order to get out of these hastily made oaths, these vows. You've never said anything in haste, have you, that you regret afterward? My favorite is like, you're grounded for the rest of your life. They're not, they're not going to be grounded for the rest of their life. We all understand that, right? That is what? That is us making an unwise statement. And it's bad when we have to walk it back because then we lose some of the respect and some of the authority that we had. It's better to just speak plainly. We'll get there in a moment. But what they would do is, even though they might say, well, I swear by the city of Jerusalem that this is true, or that this happened, or that I saw that. And then later, when they want to back out of it, they're like, well, I know I said that, but I really didn't swear by the Lord. I swore by something less than that. I swore by Jerusalem. Or I swear by heaven that it's true. Well, yeah, okay, I said by heaven, but I really didn't mean it. And since I didn't swear by the Lord, I don't have to fulfill that. So keep that in mind as we read these next verses here, this practice that the Pharisees, who really represented the worst of what was going on inside of Judaism at that time, this Old Testament faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of, of Joshua and Moses and, and David and all of our heroes of the Old Testament, that sort of faith, had become watered down significantly and rarer and rarer to find. And so, in verse 34, But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. Jesus says, you, don't, you shouldn't make oaths at all. You shouldn't swear at all. That's not something you should do. When you thought, we were talking about swearing tonight, you probably thought something other than this, didn't you? 
right? You were probably thinking about using filthy language. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about this need to make an oath about something. Jesus said, it's better for you not to swear at all. Have you ever been talking with someone and they said, let me get honest with you for a second. Wait, have you been lying to me the whole time? Is everything you said up until now not true? That's sort of what's going on. When they have to swear, this deity strike me dead if I'm lying. Wait a minute, your word's not good enough where we can just trust what you say? You're not enough of a person of character where now you have to invoke some sort of third party? And Jesus says, it's better if you don't swear at all. And he says, just in case you think that you can swear by these things and then not follow through with the vows that you've made, notice, he says, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. You say God's not involved in heaven, but that's where God's throne is. You can't speak of it lightly. Verse 35, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool. God made the earth. It's under his feet. It's under his dominion. It's under his control. If you swear by that, it's still binding. He says, nor neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. He said, even if you swear by Jerusalem, that is the city of God. He has ordained it. He's made his place to, to dwell there in the temple that you've, you've built there. You can't just weasel your way out of all of these things by saying, yeah, I know I said it, but it wasn't the Lord, so it's not that big of a deal. Verse 36, neither shalt thou swear by thy head because thou canst not make one hair, white or black. And what does it really matter if you swear by yourself? Because even God is the one who will change what your hair color is. You don't have any control over anything. So what are you going to do if you swear by your own name? So what is, it, what is better than making all of these oaths and swearing and making a big deal about, I swear by the Lord that I'm going to do this, and everyone's trying to one-up each other? What's a better way? He says in verse number 37, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. You say, what does that mean? Well, let your words be simple and let them be emphatic and may there be no wiggle room in them. This is yea, yea, it's emphatically yes. I am saying yes to this and that's all that needs to be said about it. Is it true? Yes. Will you do it? Yes. Or nay, nay, which is an emphatic no. Is that what happened? No. Are, are you going to continue doing that? No. It doesn't have any wiggle room inside of it. Be very direct. Be very straightforward with the words that you say. We can be indirect at times when we want to be nice and give people the wrong impression. We can give people the wrong impression. When we want to say no, we'll say things like, well, we'll see. Who knows, maybe, Lord willing. And we sort of string people along. It would be a kindness for us to say, no, that's not going to happen. It may be awkward in the moment to tell somebody no, but it's a whole lot better than them counting on you down the road later on and then you not showing up. Or you not being a part of it. Wouldn't you, those of you that have ever led people, if someone was not going to do something and you thought they were, and they didn't want to tell you they weren't going to do it, 
Wouldn't you have preferred to have known on the front end, even if it led to a conflict right at the beginning, rather than make you think that they're taking care of something, and when you ask about it, it's not done? Wouldn't you rather have people be simple and straightforward with their communication? More so than having to live a life where you have to swear by these deities, may the, may the, rivers, may the rivers overflow and sweep me and my house away if this isn't true. I mean, wouldn't you just rather be a person of character? Live that way so that when you say yes, people know that you're a man or that you're a woman of your word. When you say no, that they know that you're a man or a woman of your word and that they can count on that. That's what Jesus said. We don't, we don't need all of the rigmarole that they were going through in order to hear what was true and what was false. The truth should be simple. Don't play word games. If you need to tell somebody something, you should do it. We should speak the truth. We should speak it in love, but we should speak the truth. Because when we hold it back, we're not doing them a favor and we're not doing ourselves a favor. Saying no is hard. How many of you saying no is a bit hard for you? Anybody have trouble with that? I have trouble with that. I want to say yes to everybody because I really do genuinely want to help most people with whatever it is that they're asking. You know what I found out? Every time I say yes to one thing, I'm saying no to a myriad of other things. And sometimes I'm saying yes to something that is less urgent and less important than something else but because that person's right in my face and I don't want to tell them no, that's hard because I really do want to help people. But at some point, I'm not doing them a service by mixing my words. So let's be straightforward. Speak the truth. Now let's look at retaliation. This is a little more of our day because we don't do a lot of swearing by gods or deities anymore, but let's, let's look at what he has to say about this. Verse 38. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. This is a famous expression and a famous idea. This is that if you are wronged or hurt by somebody, however much they've wronged or hurt you, that ought to be the punishment that comes back on them. In the ancient world, this was referred to as the lex talionis. It's a Roman expression in Latin that means the law of retribution, the law of retaliation. It was a really good law in many ways because what happens is if you hurt somebody, even if it was accidentally, and we'll see this in the Old Testament a number of times, if you do something that causes damage to your neighbor's livelihood or damage to a person even, let's look at a few of these verses that speak of this. Let's look back in Exodus, would you? In Exodus 21. So it's not that this isn't true or isn't in the Bible, but Jesus is going to show us a more excellent way. In Exodus 21, in verse number 24, it says, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So in other words, if you did something and you caused somebody's eye to be put out, then to dis incentivize people going around putting out other people's eyes to prevent this from happening, to protect the innocent, then the law could do the same back to you. If they broke your hand, then they get their hand broken. If there's a, an animal, a live, part of their livestock that is killed, then you owe that back and perhaps more than just that back because it's not just the livestock, but all the livestock that that livestock could have produced over time. Look with me in Leviticus 24. In Leviticus 24, it's mentioned again. Leviticus 24 in verse number 20. 
breach for breach, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, as he hath caused a blemish in a man, so shall it be done to him again. Deuteronomy 19 and verse number 21. Deuteronomy 19. In verse number 21. And thine eye shall not pity, but life shall go for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. This is a, a system of law that not only protected the innocent and disincentivized people to be careless or to be hurtful, it also made sure that the crime and the punishment would fit so that it wasn't an extreme penalty that was brought down upon somebody, right? You don't end up taking their life because they did something that was less than that. And so retaliation was the right of the person because we live very much in a society right now where if something goes wrong, there's police officers around and the police officers are the ones who are going to take care of a situation and they're going to bring somebody before the magistrate and the magistrate's going to make a decision and then it will be carried out by a, a correctional facility or something like that. I don't want to say that Israel was the Wild West because there were Roman soldiers and there were the temple guard and things like that around, but a lot of this stuff that happened happened on a smaller scale inside of cities and these were the, the rules of the road, as it were. Retaliation was your right up to a certain point if somebody hurt you. If they hurt you, you get to hurt them. If they, if they hurt you, you get to hurt them. Now, what does Jesus do with that? Well, back in Matthew chapter 5, he says this. Verse 39. But I say unto you, here he is again, the living word of God, giving us God's true intention for this, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. You know what he's saying? He's saying, if somebody does wrong to you, if somebody hurts you, don't retaliate. We're going to notice three example situations that are given to us. None of these, by the way, are life-threatening situations. These are all things that could very well happen in the life of your average Jewish person living in Bible times. So this is not talking about self-defense or retaliation. This is a different animal. It says, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek. So if somebody slaps you, what do you get to do back to them under the lex talionis? Right? You get to slap them back. It's your right. Not only does Jesus say, don't do that. He says, do the very opposite of that. Do the very opposite of retaliation. Instead of you taking matters into your own hands and returning evil for evil or violence for violence, he says, turn the other cheek. Another example is given to us in verse 40. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, he says, so if somebody takes you to court and you owe them damages for something that happened and you don't have whatever it takes to pay that in liquid money so you have to liquidate some of your assets and give them some of the things maybe even the very coat off your back in order to pay for what it is that you owe them instead of just giving them the bare minimum or instead of counter suing them or instead of trying to find some way out of it you know what he says do the opposite of retaliate give him your cloak also Give him your cloak also. Verse number 41. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. 
That sounds confusing, but if we think back to the, the time at which Rome occupied Israel, the Roman soldiers and certain government officials could find a Jewish person that was not a Roman citizen, and they could force them to carry a burden a mile's length. They could just conscript you. They could just grab you and say, hey, I have need of you. You need to do this. It's under Roman law. And if you're not a citizen, you, you don't have any rights to complain about it. And so go ahead and grab this and go with me a mile. Well, retaliation would say, fine, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it grudgingly. And I'm only doing the bare minimum that I have to do because I resent this. You're inconveniencing me. You know what Jesus said? Go with him twain. This is where we get the phrase, the second mile. What does it mean to go the second mile? To do more than what's required of you. To do more than what's expected of you. To do above what it is that's asked of you. So what he's saying is when you have been hurt and you have been wronged, answer it with mercy. Answer it with generosity. Answer it with diligence. It makes me think of a passage over in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 12. Would you look there with me? In Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, in verse number 17. Recompense, recompense no man evil for evil. Meaning that if somebody does evil to you, if somebody hurts you, if somebody harms you, whether it's physically, whether it's verbally, do not return that evil. Well, that, that, I don't like that. Can I, can I be honest with you for a second? I've been lying up until this point. <laughs> I don't like that. My flesh says, if you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. That's what my flesh says. If you annoy me, if you inconvenience me, I, I'm going to get you back for it. That's what my flesh wants. But here, the scripture is teaching, we don't get to do that as God's children. Why? Why is it that we don't get to do that? How can we just let these people get away with everything they're getting away with? Recompense to no man, evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Don't retaliate. But rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. To whom belongs the right of retaliation when someone hurts one of God's children? It belongs to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. Why does it belong to the Lord? Because if it belonged to us, we'd mess it up. If, if we took it on ourselves, the Bible says, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. In other words, when we get mad, and we get mad when someone wrongs us, we get hurt, it rarely turns out in a way that pleases the Lord. Jesus could be angry and go into the temple and clear out the money changers and still be sinless. But you see, I am fleshly. And when I get angry, there's a very good chance that even if my anger started righteous, it will go beyond that. And it will become unrighteous. And it won't be what pleases the Lord. And so God is the one who withholds the right to retaliate. It says, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. 
For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. So if you have an enemy, if somebody's against you, if they're actively opposing you, instead of trying to destroy them, ruin their character, cancel them, make their business go under, sully their reputation, instead of doing all of those things, you ought to bless them. Jesus, this is a really tall order. This is a really tall order because my flesh, the part of me that wants to sin, does not want to treat people nicely who treat me poorly. But here we're told to take care of them. And it's like heaping coals of fire on his head. Think for a moment. What, what does that phrase mean? It's an idiomatic expression, meaning that it means something different than just the sum of its words. You end up really shaming somebody when they treat you poorly and you treat them good. You end up embarrassing somebody. Have you ever seen someone completely lose their cool in public and start berating whoever they're with? And the other person just sits there and stares at them and doesn't respond. And they don't get red in the face and they're not grinding their teeth and they're not clenching their fist and they're not glaring back and they're just sitting there. And if it goes on long enough, it doesn't matter. You're not even involved in the situation. You don't know the details. It doesn't matter who is originally right and wrong, who is wrong at the end of that. Whoever it was that blew their top. Because they just made themselves look like an idiot. Because they had no control over their own selves. This is a little bit of what it means to heap coals of fire upon them. They will be ashamed and embarrassed when they're trying to do you wrong and you only do right. You say, if I only do right, they're going to get away with it. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in the word of God? Do you believe when it says here that I will repay? God will take care of all of that. And he'll do it in the way that brings him glory and is the best good for you. And you know what it very well may lead to? Not just that person getting it and us being able to snicker from the sidelines. What if us returning mercy for violence and generosity for selfishness and diligence for laziness, what if that is what God uses to show that he's real? That there's something different about his children and the way that they respond, that person should have been at my throat like I was at their throat and instead they've been kind to me. I threw them under the bus and instead of that they tried to make me look good in front of the boss. I've been talking about her all week behind her back and now she knows it. And instead of trying to come to me and cause trouble, now she's being nice to me. I don't get that. If God is real, then you and I don't have to worry about this. This is another thing that we can leave in the hands of the Lord. You know what I, I started doing a little while ago? When people would, would act in a way that I thought I wanted to retaliate? I told God on them. I told God on them. I'm going to tell mom on you. Yeah, that's pretty bad. But it's nothing like having God told on you. Because the Lord is more than able to care for these things. Let's look at some simple truths that we can apply from this. And the first thing is to speak the simple truth. To speak the simple truth. The Pharisees made great shows of swearing oaths, but they honestly would back out and lie to avoid fulfilling them. God says, say yes when you mean yes and leave it there. And say no when you mean no and leave it there. Don't leave any ambiguity. Be a man, be a woman of your word. Have the character so that oaths are unnecessary. 
Speak the simple truth. The second thing is to not retaliate. Don't retaliate. That is hard. You know what that's going to take? Supernatural power. We were having a brief conversation right up here at the head of this aisle, and the church congregation was coming in to sit down, and somebody said, after looking at everything in the Sermon on the Mount, I don't think that you can live that way without God's help. And he was absolutely right. You can't. You can't do this. I can't do this. It would take a miracle for me to bless somebody when they treat me poorly. And that's what we get as a miracle. Because the Spirit of God living inside of the child of God, by the way, if you know Christ as Savior, then God's Spirit lives inside of you and gives you everything you need in order to live the way that God asks. Have you ever had one of those out-of-body experiences where you were about to say something and it wasn't nice? And all of a sudden, something else comes out. And you're like, where did that come from? And the answer, like most questions in church, is Jesus. It came from the Lord. It's almost like you're watching, I was going to say something else, but instead of doing that, something nice came out. How did that get there? Well, that was the Spirit of God saving me from myself once again. So this is going to take supernatural power. The flesh does not like to be embarrassed. It doesn't like to be accused. It doesn't like to be lied about. I get that. And that thought of, I'm going to get them back for that, that is very natural. But none, none of these things are going to bring about, if we take them on ourselves, God's righteousness. In the end, we need to leave that to the Lord. Our retaliation would be an anger and sinful anger. Leave it in God's hands. If you can trust God to meet your needs when it comes time to pay the bills, if you can trust God, how much more so, to save your soul from sin when it comes time to stand in judgment before him, then can't you and I trust him to take care of when other people hurt us? And that he will minister, he will minister correction in a way that's so far beyond what you and I can do. We leave that with the Lord. Finally, to overcome evil with good. To overcome evil with good. We oftentimes are tempted to try and fight fire with fire. And really, you fight fire with water. That's how you end up putting it out. And it sounds counterintuitive, but so much of living in the way that the kingdom is designed for us to live in is against how this world functions. And so we can overcome evil with good. The temptation is that we'll be overcome of that evil and we'll respond in evil. We'll respond in kind. They hurt us, we hurt them back. But we are encouraged to instead bless when we're cursed, to pray for those that take advantage of us and use us. A whole very different approach to conflict and crisis. There's probably somebody that you hope you never run into again. I don't know who that person is. But how would the Lord have us to respond to that person? Maybe there's somebody and you just, whenever you think about them, you just start stewing. Your mind starts replaying all the times they did you wrong. All the things they said to you. Every time they didn't show up. Every time they were selfish. Every time they said that, did this. There's something and you replay it at times and it's almost like it has a stranglehold on you. You know what the antidote for that is? It is, it is not to get even. It's to find a way to bless them. Find a way to pray for them. Find a way to show mercy. You say, how? I don't even want to want to do that. 
Well, then let's start there. Let's start there and ask God to change our hearts so that we, instead of retaliating, would answer evil with good. And we'll see that we can overcome evil with good. But let your commission... Let me try that again. One more time. Cut. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whoso shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes for just a moment? The Lord Jesus Christ challenges us to live a much higher life than what we would live on our own. And to live that life, we need his life. We need that eternal life lived out inside of us. And so if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as Savior, friend, you don't have the wherewithal to live the life that Jesus calls you to. And moreover than that, not just should you be concerned about your life on this earth, but your life in the world to come whether you'll spend forever in heaven or forever in hell. And though this message is mostly to believers tonight, I would be in error and remiss if I didn't invite those who have never trusted Christ to trust Him as Savior. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing. And after uh, we stand, I'll be down here at the head of this aisle. And if you need to trust Christ as Savior, if you're not sure that your sins are forgiven or heaven's your home, you can slip out of your seat and come and let me know and say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved. And someone will take you aside privately, a gentleman with a gentleman, a lady with a lady, and they'll show you from the Scriptures, from God's own Word, how you can have those doubts removed, and you can know your sins are forgiven. Believer, do you need to say yay, yay, and nay, nay a little more often? Do you need to be more simple and direct and truthful and honest with your words? Do you need to stop with the manipulation and the lies? Do you need to stop trying to take the easy way out, thinking, well, this is just going to avoid the problem a little bit longer, instead of speaking about it directly? If that's you tonight, I want you to know that God is there to forgive the lies that you've told and to give you the strength to speak the truth. I was a manipulator and had a filthy, filthy mouth before I was saved. And I praise God for the redeeming work he's done in my life. And I am certainly not all that I ought to be, but I praise God I'm not what I used to be. And that victory and even more is for you in the Lord Jesus. Perhaps you're here this evening and you've taken matters into your hands because someone has legitimately hurt you. They've legitimately wronged you. They've done what they ought not to have done. It was not okay, and it did hurt you. But instead of forgiving and giving it over into the hands of God, you have held that against them. You've wielded it like a club, or maybe even more so, you've wielded it like a knife with your words, cutting them apart, tearing them apart. If that's you this evening, I want you to know there's forgiveness for that violence. And there's strength to not retaliate. Perhaps you're, you're so bothered by what somebody did and it just you replay it over and over again. And you want to be free of that. Tonight you can be by giving it over to the Lord. By trusting Him to repay, that He'll take care of it, that it's not your job to fix it. And you can find peace on the other side of laying that burden down. 
Whatever it is that the Lord has spoken to you about, would you say yes to him tonight? Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy with me. Thank you for your patience with me and your long-suffering. Thank you for your mercies that I need every day. Help us to speak truth plainly. Help us to leave things in your hands that must be left in your hands to be done righteously. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.